G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. In the late 18th century, William Wilberforce was converted. Almost single-handedly, he broke the shackles of slavery. People there were just totally different. We are looking at the footprint of God over the last 2,000 years. Since the Roman Legion destroyed Jerusalem in the year 70 AD, the Jewish people have a nation of their own. And he said, well, no, Randy, we're not all just faking it. There is a living hope, and his name is Jesus. And I believe that that's really why you're here. Christ died for us. History Makers. Hi, and welcome to History Makers. I'm Matt Prater. Today, my guests in the studio are Eloise Wellings, a long-distance runner from Australia who's performed in the Olympic Games, and also Ugandan dual Olympian Julius Achon. They're also connected to the Love Mercy Foundation. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Welcome. Good, thanks. Thanks Thank for having you. us. Yeah, Good to have you along. Yeah. Now, let's start with Eloise. I'd love to hear a bit of your story. Uh, you've been uh, featured uh, in a lot of the Christian media recently about uh, your sportsmanship and uh, your long-distance running and, and also your faith. Uh, let's go back to the beginning. Tell us a bit of your story. Where were you born and raised? I was actually born in New York, uh, but I was raised in Australia. My my parents were living over there for two years. Um, my dad was on business over in in the US. And, uh, yeah, so we moved back here when I was uh, less than 12 months mm-hmm. old. And, um, yeah, grew up in Sydney. And I uh, got two brothers and an older sister. And Did you have a uh, religious upbringing at all? Actually, we went to, um, we went to a Catholic church uh, every Sunday. But I still had a really warped sense of, of who God was when I was, you know, in my teenage years. I um, I thought God was this huge being in the sky that was going to strike me down if I did something wrong. So mm. I was, um, yeah, I just, I didn't, I didn't understand the, the relationship that he wanted to have or that he wants to have with every single one of us until I went to a, a different church with a, with a friend from school and, and heard the gospel. Mm. And what happened when you heard the gospel? Did you respond immediately? Yeah, I did. Um, you know, the, the pastor um, at the time, who's actually still my pastor today, um, Mike Hardy, he, uh, yeah, he, asked, he asked if um, people wanted to receive Jesus and, and give their life um, to Jesus and and follow him and yeah I I put my hand up and yeah I, n- I never looked back you know and it was a decision in that moment but then you, you you begin your journey with with God and um and yeah it's been amazing mm. and tell us a bit about your running career how did you first get into Running? Uh, <laughs> I guess I we run- all run when we're little, don't we? But uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, professional running. <laughs> yeah. Well, my mum was a runner and uh, and she was a good runner and she used to run on the trails near our house in the national park. So I used to go running with her quite a bit with her um, running group. And then um, I started at Little Athletics when I was about five years old. I wasn't immediately good at the distance running events, but I just, I really loved to do it. Mm. Um, and then obviously, yeah, when, when you've got desire and um, when you really enjoy something and you do it enough, you can you can become good at it. Mm. 
And has it helped you in your Christian faith as a runner? Because there's there's lots of biblical references to running, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, I love a, a biblical reference to running. Um, they're always my favorite scriptures. But yeah, for sure. I mean, um, my faith has got me through so many difficult times in my life, and my especially my running career. You know, missing out on on three Olympics was it was devastating, and um, you know, disappointing, and um, yeah, certainly without my faith, I, I, I don't think I would still be running. I don't think I would have, um, you know, had, I guess, the will or the strength to keep going and to um, keep following after my dream. Mm. And you're now connected to this wonderful organisation, the Love Mercy Foundation. Tell us how that all started. Yeah, I met uh, a Ugandan athlete named Julius H. On when I was training in Portland in 2008. I was over there. Um, it was the third Olympics that I was uh, trying to make and I'd been measured for the team uniform again and I had another stress fracture and, um, you know, my coach um, sent me over there to try and rehab my foot before the Olympics and so I went over there quite reluctantly actually and I met Julius on um, in the first couple of days of being there. We are staying at the same house um, that international athletes could come and base from and yeah, I met Julius and, and we just had this immediate um, friendship. We we um, we bonded over our, our faith and our love for running and um, our sense of humor. And he, um, yeah, he asked me about my story and I, I told him about, you know, that I really thought that this was the time that I was going to make the Olympics and told him that I was discouraged and I wasn't sure how things were going to work out and didn't know what I was doing in Portland and, you know, um, and he said, if, if I told you my story, um, your foot problem would become very, very small. And tell us, uh, Julius, what was it like when you first met Eloise? Welcome, mate. How you doing? Oh, thanks so much for having me. Mm. Well, uh, for me, when I woke up in the morning, then I got a program from our coach said, you know, we're going to have one of athletes from Australia coming here to train with you. Uh, she's on injury. And on my surprise, then I found was a lady. And because the whole house full of the guys, you know, and uh, my wife was among the six guys living down there in the same house. And I think it was uh, through God bringing her because I never stay with anybody from Australia and she has never met somebody from Africa or Uganda like me. And then when we met, all of a sudden we had a, this a quick connection. Mm. And oh, from there, a day after, we started like I had a car and we would drive sharing the stories. And when I told her the story, she stopped by the bank, gave me a hundred dollar. Mm. And I was really desperate looking for a hundred dollar to send it back home to Uganda that day. So <laughs> by God's grace, she gave me this hundred dollar. When I came back after the long run, I told my wife, I said, well, you can't believe this young a woman from Australia gave me a hundred dollar. <laughs> so my wife like, wow, that's good. Yeah. Because really I was, it, it was tough that week. Mm. And the thing was very hard for me. I was trying to raise a hundred dollar every month sending back home. And that's how we got connected. Mm. So Eloise, tell us a bit about how Love Mercy was founded. Yeah. So um, after meeting Julius, he uh, he invited us to his wedding in Uganda um, a few months later, and, and my husband and I and my parents-in-law actually flew to Uganda to attend Julius and Grace's wedding, and that was amazing. And, and obviously we went and visited 
um, the children that um, Julius had been caring for and, um, and, and got to visit his community. And it was, um, it was quite, quite harrowing, the, the whole experience, because uh, um, I didn't realise how much suffering people had gone through during that time of the, the Civil War for 25 years, really. And, you know, I grew up in this privileged life in, in Australia and not hearing much about it and then to actually go over and see the impact that it had on people was, um, was quite devastating. And, you know, we, we talked about um, when we are flying home about starting something in Australia to help Julius with his vision of um, helping people back on their feet in his community and... Um, when I got back to Australia, um, I met Caitlin, our, our, our founding CEO, and I, I told her about Uganda, and she was studying international um, development at the time, um, you know, which is the relief of poverty in underdeveloped countries mm. or developing countries. And um, she said, you know, can I help you? And I was, you know, yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um and then, yeah, between Caitlin and, and Julius and I, we, um, yeah, we founded the Love Mercy Foundation mm. and um, we set about working out what was the best way to sustainably um, have an impact mm. on the livelihoods of, of the people that um, we had the opportunity to stand mm. alongside. And you mentioned the children that Julius had been looking after. Uh, so there's a, a story on your website there. One morning on a routine training run in Uganda, Julius literally stumbled upon 11 orphaned children living at a bus shelter. These children had been affected by Africa's longest-running war, were without food, clothing, housing or education, with some of the children unable to remember even their own names. Mm. From that day on, Julius, you took the children on as your own family. Tell us how the kids are now. How did things turn out for those children? Well, yeah, right now, as we talk from 2003, the kids are all grown as I said earlier, one of the eldest girls, she's working at the health center, which we built, her name called Mary. And then uh, the rest of the kids, they are finishing their high school this year, uh, looking forward to go to college, university. Mm-hmm. And they're really doing great. They're grown. I think the one, the last one, which he didn't know his name, I gave him my name, Julius. He's really grown too. I think he's taller than me right now. <laughs> so they're all alive. They're very healthy. Mm-hmm. And we are trying to help them become uh, life independence mm. as they grow up. Mm. Yeah. And uh, Eloise, how many people are now under the banner of Love Mercy Foundation? How many people are you caring for now? We have 13,800 women in our Sense for Seeds program. Wow. Uh, and then the clinic, the Christina Clinic, who, um, which was built in honor of Julius's mother, who was shot during the war, mm. uh, that services 20,000 people in wow. the area. Um, and then since last October, we began maternity um, services and we have, our team over there has delivered over 150 babies um, in that temporary maternity space. And we hope to, in the next 12 months, um, build an actual um, standalone maternity ward and have um, all of the facilities and a uh, anaesthetist and uh, um, a surgeon there so that we can um, deal with difficult labours. Mm. 
And if people want to get involved, how, how can they join in with what you're doing? Yeah, they can go straight to our website um, to find out more information, lovemercyfoundation.org. And we've also got an, uh, an Instagram account, Love Mercy Foundation. And um, we've, you know, we do our best to connect um, with everyone through social media and, and mainly Instagram and Facebook. So, yeah, come and check out what we do. We love, um, we obviously, we rely on completely on public donations and we're tax deductible mm-hmm. as well. Um, so, yeah, any um, any donation is a good donation. Mm. And people can go over and uh, and join in uh, yeah. on trips. You, you take trips over there. Yeah, we, we go on an African adventure, usually in November each year because Julius has this um, great, Day called the Julius H. On Cross Country Day, uh, where 3,000 school kids who have qualified to be part of the day um, come and um, and do a race according to their age, cross country race. And um, yeah, it's an incredible day. It's um, humbling and inspiring. And uh, yeah, we, we go there to support that. The, the prizes for the kids um, for each race is a blanket for third place, bed sheets for second place, and a mattress for first place. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, it's some um, very coveted items <laughs> um, in northern Uganda. And, yeah, we, we go over there to support that. And then as part of that trip, we go and visit a few of our Sense for Seeds villages and um, chat to the women and spend time with them and find out um, how much of an impact the Sense for Seeds program is making on their lives and um, we visit the kids, the original eleven orphans that Julius found, um, and um, and just encourage them and stand alongside them, and um, and then we we usually cap it off with a, a safari at the end. Mm, a yeah. safari, yeah. So, uh, Julius, what kind of animals do you get to see on the safari? <laughs> as I, as I said earlier, is all kind of animals. Yeah, yeah. You see those big. Lions and elephants, all those kind of animals. Yeah, giraffes. No, giraffe. Yeah. Which you, USF, nobody should be worried like I will be eaten by it. And the hippos, you got these massive hippos like making hippos. that. Yeah. yeah. Every sound in a hotel like shakes the whole room when, when you're sleeping in. Do the, hip, do the hippo noise, Julius. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's so, good yeah, he's really excited. Even me, it was, is my, was my first time actually like to go and see those animals in mm. the game park because mm. I, I was just more freely. I've already seen enough during the time I was growing before they moved into the game park. You know, mm. they used to be everywhere in the early 80s, 70s. But mm. finally, I think <laughs> a short story like where all the animals started walking straight in the game park yeah. in the early 80s, then they assembled themselves. Mm. So it's safe in the village. There's no wild animals. Well, it's wonderful uh, to be able to connect with you today, Julius, as well. And uh, Eloise, just before we go, I always like to ask our guests, you know, you shared a bit before about your testimony, about how you, you heard the gospel as a teenager and you came to Christ. Mm-hmm. There might be people listening to this right now that don't know the good news, that don't know what the gospel is. Would you share with our listeners what is the gospel and how do they respond to it? Yeah, um, in a nutshell, God sent his son, Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice to, to die for our sin and, and to save us and to make a way for us to be in relationship um, with God. And... Yeah, I mean, when I made that decision as a 16-year-old, it was the beginning of a journey. It didn't all of us, life didn't all of a sudden get um, all rosy or, you know, easier. It actually, it, it, it got harder. Um, in, I mean, I still got um, 
injured and um, when I was running and, you know, I still went through a lot of hardships through my running career and in generally in life. But because my foundation was now Jesus, I, none of those hardships would shake me. Um, and, you know, I knew that God had a purpose through every single challenge that I went through um, and still does. Mm. And, um, yeah, it's it's a wonderful journey. And, um, yeah, I mean, it's it's a journey of, of love and of um, self-acceptance. You know, I, I struggled with an eating disorder when I was – it started when I was about 13 um, and went – I finally um, overcame that when I was 19. But in the middle, I became a Christian. Mm. I found Christ and um, when I was 16 and – yeah, I just began that journey of transforming my mind and transforming, you know, eating disorders. It's essentially a mental illness. Uh, I had anorexia and um, and I, I really struggled with, uh, yeah, those thoughts um, that lead you to behave differently towards food and, and unnaturally and unhealthily towards food. And, um, and God began to transform my mind and... Um, through that transforming of my mind, I was able to behave differently. Mm. I was able to see myself differently. And because I'd found my value and my worth in Christ, I was able to, yeah, transform those thoughts and, and turn them around mm. and, um, yeah, and, and overcome that. And there's absolutely no doubt in my mind that that, that particular thing in my life, that particular challenge, I would not have overcome without mm. Christ. Mm. It's a wonderful testimony. I'm sure many people need to hear that story of uh, being set free and having your life transformed. And now God's blessed you with uh, success in your career, mm. but uh, not just for yourself, but for others. You're now doing something to help you know, orphans in, in Uganda, help women in Uganda. What a great testimony of uh, how God's using you to be a history maker. Uh, I reckon you're a history maker, Eloise and Julius. Thank you so much for joining us today, guys. You're, you're welcome. God bless. And once again, if you want to check out the Love Mercy Foundation, the website is lovemercyfoundation.org. If you'd like to hear this conversation again, listen online anytime at historymakersradio.com. You'll also find links to all of our social media channels and you can subscribe to our iTunes podcast. History Makers is a faith-based ministry and we want to thank everyone for their generous support. If you've got a suggestion of anyone we should interview, send us an email, info at historymakersradio.com. God bless. I'm Matt Prater. And my challenge to you now is to go and make history. History Makers. This year is the 50th anniversary for the Bible League. They're celebrating all that God's done in their ministry and they're praying into all that He's going to do in the next 50 years. Ephesians 3.20 says that God is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to His power that's at work within us. To Him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. If you'd like to support the Bible League as they reach the generations to come, go to BibleLeague.com.au. Station sponsor. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.